we tackle the climate emergency is more important than the success of any one particular chain or project. This is why our approach is to be totally collaborative about this. Why Excello Community founded and funded the Climate Collective um, and why the Climate Collective like operates across the whole Web3 space and across in fact the whole like tech. We definitely uh, have no sharp elbows here when it comes to like collaborating with other projects and other chains in terms of like moving moving this along uh, a high quality verifiable on-chain carbon market is uh, something that's going to be very important for the for the future yo what is good refi nation john ellison here from refi dow bringing to you another episode of refi podcast in today's show we've got a conversation with a brilliant engineering mind Tim Morton. He's a PhD in computer science from Cambridge University, working as principal engineering manager at Apple before he joined C-Labs, drawn by the technical complexity of Cello's mission and the mobile first focus that would enable prosperity for all. In this conversation, we hear a little bit about Cello's origin story and some of the technical decisions that they had to make fill this vision of beautiful money. We then talk about the ultra green money meme as Cello is about to initiate a protocol layer fee to fund climate projects using on-chain carbon with the support of the Climate Collective and the Rocky Mountain Institute, ensuring that capital at a protocol level is going to fund projects with the highest integrity and creating a virtuous flywheel for these networks to really fund projects that are making the biggest difference in the world. We'll also hear about this audacious vision to transition to an Ethereum layer two using the OP stack, understanding all of the different trade-offs and considerations to maintain a scalable, low-cost, carbon-negative blockchain while also becoming a direct layer two onto Ethereum and inheriting the security and all of the benefits that Ethereum provides. If you're new to ReFi, this is a very technical touch on some of the most exciting advances in the ecosystem and really looking at a systemic view on how we can build these blockchains specifically with impact in mind. My hope is that this L2 transition shows to the world the power not only of mission-driven blockchains, but also mission-driven communities to make the world a better place and to put capital where it's needed most. Hope you enjoy the show. Let us know what you think and we'll see you on the other side. Hey, what's going on, Tim? Welcome to the show. Hey, John. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Definitely, man. Where are you calling in from today? I'm in San Francisco, California. Beauty. Beauty, man. Miss the Bay. Got to get back over there. So many brilliant <laughs> minds and so much amazing stuff happening. But I'm uh, firmly grounded here in Lisbon, loving the summer and super excited for this conversation, man. I feel like over the last six or seven months, you guys have had so many exciting announcements. I love seeing at ECC this vision for uh, L2 transition onto Ethereum. And uh, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here. But I feel like it'd be nice to just give a bit of an anchoring in terms of Cello's origin story, uh, how you got involved in the project, and really what was the purpose that drew you to this audacious mission? Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly a big mission and uh, it continues. You know, I've been involved in the Cello ecosystem project for like five years or so now. And it continues to be, there is never a quiet month. Um, uh, both Cello, um, all the projects that are building on Cello and the uh, like, you know, crypto ecosystem as a whole just continue to move forward a, a, a pace. But yeah, I I got into Cello um, pretty early on. I was one of the uh, first engineers working on the uh, protocol. Um, I'll kind of wind back and give you kind of a little little bit of background. I was, I, yeah, I, I was a 
university uh, in the UK at Cambridge in uh, 1999, just as like Napster and um, peer-to-peer music sharing apps kind of exploded onto the scene. I just got to, got to university from a, <laughs> just got to university from having like you know at home having this incredibly slow dial-up connection, and then getting to university and having like an incredibly uh, incredibly fast internet connection there. And so, mm. you know, uh, studying computer science and these these services um, uh, were just obviously really like uh, really interesting, really compelling. Um, but, you know, there was a point at which I just, um, it suddenly occurred to me that the, if you're, if you're sharing, if you're, if you're like contributing to these services and, 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 uh, like uploading songs or like, um, downloading at the same time, I kind of realized like, wouldn't my downloads go faster if I didn't upload? And then I kind of like followed, pulled this thread and followed on it. So actually the whole network, uh, relies on other people, like not noticing, uh, or not caring that they're contributing, or it relies on their their altruism essentially. Yeah, interesting. Um, and so this kind of got me thinking. It's like, oh, if this is for, for me, this is one of the first systems that I've been thinking about. Where, um, you know, it's it's composed of uh, composed of like a lot of different components, all operated by like um, different individuals, different organizations, and so the it, it got me into this kind of down this rabbit hole of like um the the, the kind of the economics or the game theory of like all of these these um decentralized uh, systems and this was like way before like bitcoin was a thing way before sure. any of any of this was um really whether where all the jigsaw pieces had been kind of put together um so yeah i kind of went on and studied some of that as like as part of a phd um and uh, that was, uh, it, you know, I, I went off, ran a startup, um, worked at Apple for a while, came out, um, was thinking about like, what do I, what do I do next? Wanted something with a, like, looking to find something which combined like a strong, yeah, like, if it worked, it could have a strong positive impact on the world. And at the same time, was like technically challenging and technically interesting. Um and you know that intersection is actually quite a small number of uh, small number of things. And uh, Cello, I came across Cello um, through um, and, and talked to um, Marek and Rene and Seb about it. And it struck me that this project was like you know in many ways tackling some of them incredibly ambitious, like attempting to tackle some of the most important like problems in the world, um, but doing so in a way where actually. <laughs> there was like a lot of application of some of the some of the stuff that had uh, I'd, I'd studied many years before, um, and of course had since like exploded into the whole uh, crypto kind of scene. So it's really like trying to say, can we take this emerging like decentralized technology and apply it uh, in a way which allows um, money and financial services to be something which is more open, more accessible uh, for everybody in the world. And um, yeah, and, and can, can we kind of create a, uh, a better platform for, 
for, for, for finance. And yeah, this really, this really resonated with me. I totally get why it resonated with you. I mean, the prosperity that's emerged out of the waves and waves of innovation from the Bay Area and other technology hubs really has been isolated to, you know, a small group of people in society. And there are, like you said, you know, over 1.3 million people unbanked or underprivileged. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have access to clean water. And yet we have this incredibly powerful technology in the palm of our hands. And internet is becoming more and more ubiquitous and accessible. And it seems like so much of the existing technology space just isn't really designing for this use case. And so I love that kind of mobile first focused, obviously combined with you know natural capital backed currencies, it really does have this incredibly unique flavor that I don't really see anywhere else in the Web3 ecosystem where the blockchain itself exists to serve a greater mission. This vision of prosperity for all was really what drew me into ReFi. I remember landing on the Cello website and just really resonating with this core concept and you know, massive kudos to the founders. Like, I think there's an amazing founding team there. And it seems like what you guys have been able to build at C Labs is a really strong engineering culture to drive forward this vision and really make tactical, strategic um, decisions about what to build and when. And I'd be curious to understand, like, how C Lab fits in with the broader Cello ecosystem. I know there's a lot of different moving parts. And what your guys' um, you know, initial decision was deploying Cello as an L1 but knowing that you needed Ethereum as a fork and how you guys approach that initial architecture that, you know, laid you up to this point today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, C-Labs is, uh, the, I would say, the largest contributor to the Celo uh, platform. We are um, primarily a product and engineering organization. We uh, focus on contributing to like the public goods essentially that make up the cello stack from like the core blockchain to like um, full node services to um, smart contracts, the core kind of cello contracts for um, various purposes that exist on on the chain. Um, plus like all the developer tooling that you need to like build stuff on top. Um, and we, we, we're a non-profit, we're a non-stop non-profit organization. We, uh, do that uh, with work through funding from the Cello Foundation and uh, through uh, revenue from like strategic partners who uh, want to work on Cello through you know providing consulting services for them. Um, and yeah, we you know as you say, the Cello community is a uh, large and <laughs> kind of disparate community with many many moving parts. Um, we uh, try and operate by like general consensus um, on like the kind of direction of the project. Fortunately, um, as you say, Cello has like a very strong, clear guiding mission and tends to attract um, people who want to see a positive change in the world and believe that this kind of technology can potentially like drive that change at scale. Um, and while, um, the whole thing is still early, I think like, you know, uh, there's the, the, the refi space is early, like, um, the voluntary carbon market is early, like web three and crypto as a whole is early. All of these things are still very much in their kind of infancy of the potential impact they could have. Um, I think we like see, um, like a a lot of it, it, fortunately, because of this shared mission, we see it like. Um, a lot of strong consensus around like key decisions and like where where we kind of take take the the, the, the project. Every project always stands on the shoulders of giants, and one of the like starting points we we took for this project was um, Ethereum. 
uh, we, you know, um, the early team considered, would it be possible to like deploy straight on Ethereum? Um, and that was very much like the kind of preference if possible. Um, but the, the challenge at the time was that like the block times, the uh, gas costs, right. the uh, scale of Ethereum would just just not in a place to be able to support a payments like you. And it's proof of work, you know, the, well, the stigma right. associated so with that's, it. So, like, so that's, kind of that's, that's the next thing, <laughs> right? So, so, so there's there's two factors. So if I'm if I'm trying to like um, you know make a payment to you, or I'm standing in a in a merchant, so I've just purchased some groceries, and I like want to use this as a payments means, I need like this thing to I need my payment to uh, complete, uh, guaranteed within a few seconds, uh, not roll back like as soon as I walk out the door. Um, and I, you know, if I'm buying $10 of groceries, I don't want it to cost me $5 in fees. Uh, yeah. so that, that, um, that, but those kind of parameters are super important from a usability perspective. And then, as you say, at the time, Ethereum was very much in this kind of proof of work. And one of the, I think that was a real deal breaker for Cello uh, because with the Cello mission uh, being around figuring out how to create a platform which would enable experiments in like economics where the um, positive side effects of those um, services or projects would bring a, uh, a positive change to the world if the platform itself at the same time was um, having a negative impact, a significant negative impact in terms of the uh, energy usage and the carbon output, therefore, of, uh, of, of, of just the process of like running the platform and mining, then you're kind of hamstringing yourself <laughs> doing that. Yeah, exactly. So we, you know, uh, we knew that there were other um, ways of doing things. Obviously, at the time, Cosmos um, had, had launched. Um, you know, con- proof of proof of stake consensus was. Uh, you know, it's really comprised of two things. It's like a uh, consensus algorithm, which are like well known and well deployed um, for many many years. Um, I had um, built and operated like uh, services with consensus algorithms for. Um, you know, since my PhD and were operating them, uh, some services around that area at Apple. Um, there were, uh, you know, and then the second piece is like the economics on top. It's like how do you how do you select the the participants in in the system? And so we, uh, I think we recognize because of these various things that um, while we really love the Ethereum ecosystem, wanted to be part of it, wanted to like leverage as much as possible of the Ethereum technology and give back where possible um, to both the community and to the technology stack, um, we were going to need to like um, fork uh, like the Ethereum client uh, Geth and really uh, plug in um, plug in pieces that allowed us to do proof of stake consensus, allow us to like have um, single slot finality. So like have if your transaction uh, comes in and is like agreed, then it cannot revert, and mm. uh, that process happens like at least once every few seconds. Um, and 
uh, yeah, where we could make the whole platform, um, you know, not waste energy and not uh, be um, cost prohibitive for like simple payments, even at scale. So, totally. And for an everyday user, it's an amazing proposition. It's like, wait, you mean I just download a single mobile app, I can validate it with my phone number, I can bridge money super quickly, I don't have to have like some weird currency to pay for the fees, and I can engage with you know DeFi applications and causes that I care about super fast right away. Like this is a sort of Venmo style experience. You know, it right. really is an incredibly powerful proposition. Regard, I'm I'm curious to check in. We can go deeper into some of the technology considerations for sure, but like where's Silo at now in terms of this journey? You've already been here for five years. You guys have laid some amazing milestones. You guys have engaged you know, over 10 million active users. But what projects are really shining for you in the Silo ecosystem that you're super excited about from both a technical standpoint and also like real world impact and adoption? Just curious what's in the foreground for you. Yeah, no, it's a it's a, it's a great question. Um so yeah, the 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 seller ecosystem continues to grow. I think we're even even in the last quarter. I think we're tracking some of the highest like rate of change growth numbers uh, among active wallets for um, any uh, Web three platform, which is which is which is great. Um, but you know, there's still <laughs> there's still an incredibly long way to go before you can reach as as you were saying, like that 1.3 billion underbanked um, underbanked users um, projects. I mean, we 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 we're tracking, I think, around like a thousand uh, developers or so, like um, projects that range from like very small um, initiatives from individuals like built on weekends through to um, projects built by um, public projects built by and like um, contributions made by like large, um, very large public organizations. Um, so yeah, you've seen recently that Google announced that they're running a validator on like the Silo platform, providing a bunch of services. Um, do that. A number of the telcos are like really strong partners and have been involved in like the development of Silo for the last few years. And you know, uh, starting with Deutsche Telekom and uh, T-Mobile, but expanding to, to others too. Um, and yeah, it's a really diverse kind of. It's a really diverse like. Um, uh, ecosystem and on the usability side, you know, on the kind of like market reach side, I should say, um, you know, the the, the Seller Alliance like in, includes numerous uh, international organisations, NGOs, and uh, and and charities like um, whose whose goals align very much with the, with the ecosystem. In terms of projects that I um, kind of am particularly like excited about personally and, and can continue to like. Really see tons of uh, tons of tons of value in. Um, Impact Market was one of the kind of earliest, like you know, I, I have to <laughs> shout out to like Marco and yeah. Jessica and team. Those guys are amazing. Honestly, like uh, the, as far as I was concerned, the project kind of came out of nowhere and mm-hmm. grew incredibly quickly. It's a universal. It started as a universal basic income protocol um, where communities could register um, to receive uh funds and uh can self-organize to like decide on that membership um it uh has grown in uh scope and popularity and it continues to you know it's seen uh it, it's been responsible for like millions of dollars of donation to um i think uh, tens of 
communities, tens of thousands of individuals like over the last few years. Um, and we definitely seen very interesting things like where those communities are based as they receive CUSD or um, like other, you know, UBI payments, individuals tend to then, that creates this pressure for like um, very uh, like localized acceptance of, of those funds. And so mm. you see merchants begin to accept it. You see um, people using that to save. Um, and like it really becomes uh, an important part of like those very local um, economies, uh, which are often based in like, you know, marginalized areas of like emerging markets. And it's, 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 a, it's a great project. And they're, they, they have some really interesting pilots going on around uh, microcredits and uh, microfinance. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I'm so, excited to see where it goes. Dude, I think it's such a great testament of the you know decisions you guys have made technologically that have enabled this kind of project to get this far at this point. Because had you deployed as a sidechain on Ethereum or decided to you know stick on that track waiting for the proof of stake, like none of that would be possible today because it takes time to onboard these people. And we're talking about the most you know, sometimes rural and marginalized communities um, and to be able to provide a platform that provides a basic income for those people and then stimulates economic development internally is, is so powerful. You know, you look at the dashboard of impact market and it's like 100 to 1 economic impact for each donation that's given. It's like a great infrastructure investment for any state actor to consider just providing a basic income to people. And so I think it's interesting hearing you talk about the larger institutions that are involved in the seller ecosystem looking at these different markets emerging and in particular, I'd be curious to dive in specifically around the use case around telco, because I remember talking to Merrick um, at ECC and really having my mind blown around this whole industry and settlement between all these telecommunications providers and some of the key infrastructure that an actor like Cello can play to really solve you know, very costly um, and very large you know, problems between these actors. Can you give us a little bit of a kind of snapshot around what is this technology um, in between telco providers and how can Cello potentially facilitate value exchange across the settlement of these different actors? Mm, yeah, so I mean, I think the telcos... Telcos uh, come to Cello uh, for like you know a number of a uh, number of reasons and with like a range of different use cases that they're potentially interested in. Um, of course, like to start with, Telcos are this amazing distribution mechanism whereby um, they like obviously most other providers of most handsets. Um, for individuals and can preload apps onto handsets. And so, uh, you know, and they're looking, I think from a, from a um, value perspective, uh, telcos are looking to like um, provide more value to their users from uh, from their network and from the devices they have. And so um, payments and loyalty schemes and remittances are like, uh, are clear use cases that are like close close to their, their, uh, their hearts. Um, in the back end, telcos also have other um, like interesting use cases. So every telco has a ton of um, network infrastructure and that network infrastructure, you can think of it um, as analogous to like the kind of services that you see in cloud compute environments. And the they're looking to like, but that, that infrastructure currently is shared in very, um, uh, in, in, in very contract or paperwork, I guess, driven 
mechanisms. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to like automate that process, make that something that's much more um, programmatic. And I think the telcos see an opportunity in um, in in like distributed ledgers to be able to record um, a lot of a lot of that kind of sharing of usage. And, and these markets are, are pretty vast and large, and so you see, you know, the cellular reserves commitment to um, I think it's up to forty percent of natural capital backing the supply of stables, and now it's CUSD, CUR, and CREAL. Like you're seeing, you know, these stable assets, and then the the stability protocol provide, um, you know, really important. Uh, financial instruments for people who are really struggling to get payments to families all around the world. And now we're seeing this providing a demand for nature and nature preservation. And I think this is a, a really fascinating system that you guys have really seemed to double down upon with the integration of what you guys are calling ultra green money. And I'd love for you to dive into this a little bit. I know Cello began as a carbon negative blockchain, a climate positive blockchain from the beginning. You guys are purchasing offsets with REN, um, which I know is based in the Bay Area. But I'd be curious to understand how this narrative of Evolved. You guys said, okay, proof of stake for sure, but we've got to go beyond this. We want to be a positive contributor to the environment. And now you're actually bringing it in at a protocol level. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things, one of the themes I think you can see in many places in uh, the Solo project is where the platform itself enables or supports the kinds of applications that it is looking to promote and, and, and be a platform for. Um, so uh, I'll flick onto the carbon story in just a sec, but just from coming back to impact market, one of the interesting things that we saw as impact market grew um, is a desire among organizations that were um, participating in the network. So validators, for example, um, that were being uh, like rewarded for their role in like powering the seller network to contribute to impact market. And so we, uh, C-Labs built um, and it was accepted um, like code to allow validator rewards to be um, like a portion of validator rewards to be programmatically specified to be diverted to um, other uh, like projects on the network. And ah, super interesting. I didn't actually know this story. Right. That's a really cool play. Okay, so that was the origin of this. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, so a set of, a set of validators uh, in the community grouped together to propose that they um, provide 10% of their awards and redirect them directly to impact market communities. Wow. And so... So cool. Like the, uh, right, and so from a circular economics point of view, the work of the validators in like securing the platform the rewards from that end up funding the projects that then grow uh, the usage of the platform itself. And drive demand for the assets. Okay, so that was like the first technical implementation of taking part of these you know, uh, network fees and validator rewards and putting them towards purpose, which obviously was inherent within the, the community. And then how did this kind of evolve towards the climate conscious lens? Right, yeah. So in fact, actually some of the climate stuff was a little earlier, but this, um, mm -hmm. the, the, well... Prior to mainnet launch, um, you know, if you pictured Cello at that time, um, it's a fork of Ethereum, it's a proof-of-work blockchain, it already has um, energy consumption that is like less than 1% you know, of what Ethereum would have had at that time. Um, but because we were taking this very much full-stack approach, we not just like um, were defining like the blockchain layer, but 
seller as a platform comprises a bunch of services in the smart contract layer. So um, services around identity, around escrow, um, the Mento stablecoin family, for example, um, on-chain governance. Uh, because of this, it was possible uh, for the platform to, uh, you know, we, we're already in a position where we're thinking about um, how uh, how do you reward validators? How do you reward stakers? Like, um, how do you fund community work and so on? And we're thinking of, you, you know, we'll go through this process of innovating on uh, the process of blockchain inflation and thinking, what can we do here? Um, we realized it would be extremely simple <laughs> and uh, uh, something which hadn't been done before for the platform to automatically pay uh, funds uh, out of inflation, out of like the uh, daily epoch rewards that Solo um, creates towards a carbon offsetting fund. So not to, 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 to not just like... Um, you know, settle for being significantly uh, less carbon impactful than um, Ethereum, but to programmatically, automatically offset the entire uh, emissions of the network. Because while, you know, while it's great not to use proof of work, there was still a footprint associated with the validators, the full nodes, um, potentially other infrastructure operated by um organizations in and around the space and you know the best from a behavioral point of view of course the best um uh the best way to make something happen is through yeah hopefully a series of nudges or just do it automatically on people's behalf right yeah. um make it the default that's the best behavior hack there is. Uh, exactly and so the idea here was that if we can establish this default behavior that the network every day will provide a certain amount of funds towards uh, purchasing carbon offsets and to do that on behalf of everybody who is possibly using the network. The idea was not to accurately, carefully estimate the carbon output of, sure. uh, <laughs> of the, the, the network as a whole, but just to create a back-of-the-envelope significant overestimate for that. Mm. Um, and so after the community launch of Solo Mainnet, um, by the validators, uh, one of the first governance proposals that was put to the community was, do you want to activate this and who do you want to like be the recipient of, of these funds? And uh, the proposal was like Ren, um, you know, a small startup at the time, grown significantly since then, uh, mm. stepped up and were like, we're, you know, we're willing to take these funds. At that time, there was no on-chain uh, sure. A couple offsets, and so they took those funds off chain, purchased uh, offsets with them, and then retired those offsets. And in so doing, made Solo uh, significantly carbon uh, negative in terms of its overall um, footprint. And it continues to increase in its kind of positive impact for the planet. The more transactions there are, the more that it grows. And I love the dashboard that you guys have built for this ultra green money narrative. Um, shout out to Justin Drake and all the guys at Ethereum who've built the ultrasound money meme. And I think this is such a great kind of uh, testament to the the culture at Cello and showing how you know these networks really can be used to, to make a meaningful impact at scale. And to be able to publicly verify this, and now that you have carbon on-chain in liquid supply through Toucan, um, it seems 
seems like a major milestone. And we're really just beginning to see what assets can come on chain. I know the gold standard pilot is coming soon. I know you guys also have carbon path tokens, which is industrial methane um, emission reductions. And there's a really interesting landscape as you're beginning to build these interoperable money Legos and divert money towards causes that the communities care about and see the ecosystem come alive and say, hey, like, let's, let's put money into this direction. And so, um, I think it'd be interesting to see where it goes in terms of the overall impact over, you know, the five, seven year period, because the narrative so far was, oh, crypto is bad for the planet and it's all Bitcoin and everyone's sloughing it off and everything's a scam. But as we have these now public proofs of like, look, this is the good that we're making in the world. And as we're improving both the finance instruments themselves and then the protocols that divert funds to them, I think the compound network effects of this can be incredibly exciting. And it, it seems like you guys have really doubled down on a strategic play with this idea of a transition to a layer two on Ethereum. I'd be super curious to hear like when this idea started burgeoning inside the Celo ecosystem, because this is a really big, audacious tech move. Um, and yeah, where you guys have settled on it now, how the communities responded, it'd be great to unpack this with you. Right, we're thinking of this on-chain carbon offsetting fund as a equivalent of a kind of small frontier fund, right? It's a demand signal which demonstrates to potential builders looking to um, uh, create uh, projects um, or like build on Celo that there will be demand from the protocol level in a totally automated and decentralized fashion um, to purchase high quality assets that they produce. And in Doing that, we can like help in the same way the the, the frontier fund, which I'm a, a big admirer of, has been able to like stimulate demand in the broader voluntary carbon market. I think what we have here is the um, opportunity to do this for Celo, like in in, in an on chain environment, and, and also create a cultural precedent for you know, blockchains that are trying to be used for good, which it seems like all the chains are now looking like, hey, everybody's now creating these impact ecosystem funds, um, you know, largely some of them modeled after Climate Collective, trying to say, yeah, actually, maybe we should do this at a protocol level, we should be creating demand for these assets, and, you know, building out this ecosystem of environmental assets on chain, and proving to the world that, like, yes, this technology can be used to solve real world problems, which I think is a really nice framing um, for the co- sort of collaborations that these chains are making. So there is this kind of like real estate war going on where everybody wants users and liquidity and transaction volume on their chain. But at the same time, if we can contribute towards, you know, standards and precedents towards using fees from these networks that are peer-to-peer owned and governed by their community for the good of the planet and our common good, I think this is a really interesting long-term trajectory. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you going into the Climate Fund and I love the the community-led layer and I just can't wait to see more assets coming on chain. I feel like ReFi is kind of stuck in this nascent limbo phase where we haven't quite breached to that layer where we have digital native DMRV assets coming through in large volume and Gold Standard hasn't quite released this pilot yet. And so it's like, hey guys, the right. tools are here, the demand is there, let's see where this goes. So yeah, man, I'm right. curious when we'll take this from here. We can dive deeper into some of the Ultra Green Money stuff or we can touch on L2 too, like happy to navigate whatever feels most fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I mean, okay, so I think first it's worth saying like that uh, making sure we tackle the climate emergency is more important than the success of any one particular chain or project. And I think this is why our approach is to be totally collaborative about this. It's why, you know, the Celo community um, uh, founded and funded the Climate Collective um, and why the Climate Collective like operates across the whole Web3 space and across, in fact, the whole like tech space, really. Um, we 
uh, yeah, we definitely uh, have no sharp elbows here when it comes to like collaborating with other um, projects and other chains in terms of like moving moving this along. And I think like a a high quality verifiable on chain carbon market is uh, something that's going to be very important for the for the future. Um, just on the ultra green money thing, I think there's two aspects. This one is like the carbon market piece. And one is like users, right? Coming back to this broader definition of refi and re, um, like uh, fi- like financial services and tools, which have like these positive externalities. Um, you know, some of those positive effects we're looking for are on communities and individuals, but they're also on the environment, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like they connect, they they connect um, at, that, at that point. And so, what we wanted to do with ultra green money. Uh, is to link, again, it's another one of these protocol usability like links. What we wanted to do was connect um, the climate aspects to um, the user applications built on Celo and make it so that every single transaction that happens on Celo causes positive climate action. Mm. So in the same way that when you have a credit card, and you make a you like you know go to a store and purchase something, and you get reward points. And those reward points could be for some charitable cause, or could be like just points that you collect. Um, what will you can think of? You can think of Cello uh, as a platform um, after the gingerbread hard fork when Ultra Green Money goes live in a few weeks. Um, essentially, every transaction that happens, a small slice of those transaction fees are going into this on-chain. Uh, carbon offsetting fund. Um, so controlled by this set of organized climate organizations um, in, in the ecosystem, including the Climate Collective. And using these rules and this this kind of um, uh, this kind of specification set out by uh, Rocky Mountain Institute, they'll be purchasing offsets with those funds. And so like literally everything you do, whether you're sending um, funds to your family overseas, whether you're participating in DeFi, whether you are purchasing NFTs, like a little like fraction of that fee that uh, you're using will go to um, will go to climate action, which is really a model of what our entire financial system needs. You know, you guys are effectively introducing a carbon tax at the base layer of a financial protocol that's powering an entire ecosystem of applications and an economy. And so I think like these little experiments are actually very significant in terms of this global transition to a regenerative economy because you know we couldn't really institute this politically in our current system like it would just be impossible but now we have these diverse networks um, with open source software and you know global communities that are saying actually you know what 0.1% this is totally worth it like let's do this and galvanize a community around this cause and show the power of these tools to divert capital to really where it's needed most and I think that combination with, you know, mobile first lens, recognizing people in the global south are basically being hit worst by, you know, the climate crisis. And they've had, they've done the least to do anything, you know, to cause it. It's really us in the global north and the developed markets that are creating these externalities because of our lavish lifestyles. And so I think there is a really fascinating kind of um, loop here with, you know, the combination impact market on one hand, natural capital backed assets on the other, and then now, you know, protocol level fees going towards demand for high quality 
on-chain carbon assets. So super, super bullish about this combination. Um, and yeah, man, I'm, I'm curious to hear also, like it feels like the L2 transition really takes this system to another level, providing even closer connection to Ethereum, making bridging and liquidity a lot easier. And also, I guess the technical migrations mean that there can be a more of a two-way contribution to this broader growing network of Ethereum and the L2 ecosystem around it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we we think of, you know, we we put out this, um, C Labs put out this proposal to um, uh, make Celo and Ethereum L two um, just lit- literally six weeks ago um, before ETC, um, and the momentum I think in terms of the support from the broader Ethereum community we've received as a result has been like really humbling. It's been, mm. it's been, it's been fantastic. We definitely see this as like Celo coming home in a way. I think if you go back to the kind of origins of, uh, the, of, of main, as we were uh, talking about earlier, Celo uh, shares a ton of code, a ton of heritage, a ton of community, a ton of other people in the ecosystem who are building on Celo um, are building on both, uh, Ethereum and on Celo, we we have many individuals in the C Labs team and like in the broader community of builders who are like contributing both to Celo and to Ethereum. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, yeah commonality there, um, and so we've been look, watching um, for opportunities to propose the community ways to like bring Celo and Ethereum closer together over time. You know, we spent um invested a lot in like thinking about bridging technology, C Lab span out um Hyperlane uh last year, uh, like connecting connecting chains and connecting to Ethereum, um, sharing developer tools and developer experience has always been like something that's that's been like top of mind for us. But um with the advent of like the L2 Base and, and the the level of sophistication that the projects there have uh, now reached the maturity of them. I think now felt to us uh, C Labs as the right time to kind of make this proposal. Um, I th- you know I think the OP stack and uh, like many of the other kind of stacks that interoperating L twos um, and uh, are still early. <laughs> I think you know like. The, the the zkevm technology is incredibly promising but also still early and um, but this felt this felt to it's it is really promising i think there's this felt to us like the right time to like begin the kind of conversation about like let's figure out a technical way of bringing cello back to um the kind of ethereum community that in which it has its roots and in which like many of our users also like play and uh, that, yeah, that's really that's that's really kind of like where 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 all of that came from. Um, so we did a, a temperature check with the Celo community through a governance proposal to kind of understand, um, you know, after like extensive discussions about you know this how, how people in the community, how builders and users and partners like felt about this, um, and yeah, the response was definitely like overwhelming and. We we had great we had great support from like um, a number of core cool projects and Ethereum as well from Vitalik uh, around like uh, around this move and I think 
we're, you know, we're working hard on it. And I think um, there's a lot of, the, the, the next steps are very much to figure out, like, what does this look like from a kind of technical perspective? Um, and how do we, how do we kind of like make that transition in a way which is as kind of future looking as possible, uh, given how fast a lot of these uh, technologies are evolving and the LT stacks are evolving. And as uh, how do we ensure that we um, maintain the uh, core principles and the kind of properties of the Celo platform for users and builders that are important to um, the those users? Um, so in particular, you know, things we've talked about before, like low fees um, and uh, immediate finality. How do we make sure that Cello in this transition only gets stronger and doesn't like lose some of the core benefits that we, um, as a community, have kind of worked so hard to kind of build and establish over the last few years? Totally, and I think the fee component is really compelling. The fact that you know you guys are making some pretty hard uh, architecture decisions around the need to maintain really, really low fees. And what I understand from the proposal is that it'll still be cheaper than Optimism, and that you guys are actually making a play in terms of taking the data availability layer and putting that off chain. I'd like to understand more around what this consideration is, how it works, and what also this means for the developer community that might be looking to deploy a project on Celo versus Optimism? Like, how does this all fit together in terms of the you know end user experience? The I think for applications uh, and users using Celo should look no different, um, and the with the potential exception that it may be faster or quicker or easier to um, bring liquidity or funds or interoperate with applications on other L2s on Ethereum and also on Ethereum itself. But a lot of the details there are to be <laughs> to be figured out, depending on the technology stack. Um, I think uh, you, you mentioned like the low fees piece. I think to do that, we, we currently believe that um, sellers in L2 would need to have data availability off of Ethereum, um, even with proto-dank sharding uh, going live on Ethereum and potentially even with dank sharding, although, the uh, again, there's a lot to be worked out, I think, in, in, in that space. Um, we're excited to be partnering with EigenLayer and uh, potentially using EigenDA for that. Um, that's, a I think, a really exciting project where Ethereum validators through restaking would um, be able to participate in providing off-chain data availability. It's a fundamentally easier problem to solve than consensus, um, which means that it can be done at scale, like a order of magnitude at least cheaper than uh, providing traditional validator and consensus services. And I think what's happening right now with on-chain data availability is you're kind of mashing up the two and ending up paying the fees of the more expensive service uh, for that. So proto-dank sharding is a great change for Ethereum and moves it like, um, moves it definitely in, in the right direction. But I think there's still a significant benefit to be had by um, moving that whole data availability piece off-chain with very little like downside, I think. 
And it really provides this pluralist sandbox of experimentation for how all of the L2s in the ecosystem can solve for these different problems and optimize for different use cases while still inheriting the base layer of security on Ethereum. And so I think, like for me, this transition really does not only make me more optimistic around Celo because it's closer to where the main developer ecosystem is, where the main liquidity is. Um, you know, having permission or trustless bridges is super enticing. You know, getting money in and off of chains is always such a pain. But now that it can really be a core contributor to figure out how do we scale this infrastructure and lead forward with the climate fund, uh, the carbon offsetting fund. Now, I'd be curious to know, like, what kind of timelines you're talking about. I know you guys are really you know, early into this, it was just last month that you, you know, got a temperature check from the community. Are we talking like two or three years? Is this like an, uh, a year thing? Like, when could we expect you know potential hard fork for an L two coming into the into the scene? Uh, that's the uh, that's the question. Um, yeah, I, I think it's too early to say. Um, <laughs> the question that engineers <laughs> love to answer: <laughs> When ship? <laughs> um, I think I, I, I think it's too early to say. I think it's too early to say. Partly yeah. because. Um, this, you know, we, we've learned, um, about just even since the announcement we have like, uh, and also at ETC, we've seen huge developments from other projects in terms mm. of, um, new pieces of technology or prototypes of systems, which are, um, like, uh, tackling areas in the space, just like, uh, you know, the, the the last six weeks even has has kind of moved uh, moved the needle on this, and so I think we're in the stage where we're like, that's a, what we're trying to do right now is exactly that. We're trying to figure out what the best uh, stack and uh, like approach is as a kind of uh, roadmap, and propose that to the community as like the next step, and say, hey, look, we think. These are the best design decisions to be made. They come with these trade-offs. Mm. Um, they mean this amount of work or these kind of milestones. Like, you know, um, who's who's up for contributing to this, and like who has thoughts about whether these things, uh, th- these kind of trade-offs, make sense. Yeah, of course. And, and I think these standards that you guys are employing are such a shining testament for the refi movement as a whole of being able to take like a really big audacious vision of beautiful money that actually works to serve the needs of the people around the world who need it most and is programmable. And yet also saying, hey, we actually see other players in the ecosystem that we really want to be closer with. And we're willing to make long-term technical migrations to be a part of you know the networks that are really here to, to make this scale and make it mainstream and keep it secure. And I think this interwoven mesh network of blockchains working together to solving specific problems in this stack, you guys with the mobile first approach is is so powerful. And so I'm curious to get your take on like the bull case for Celo over the next three to five years. Like why should people be bullish on Celo? Why are you guys as opposed to anybody else? And what are some of the kind of core things to leave ring in people's minds as we wrap up the episode? Yeah, totally. So um, I guess the, the, positive case for the cello ecosystem i mean you know we don't think or like talk about or worry about like tokens or economic value or anything and none of this is like investment advice in any way but i think what we're excited about from the project point of view is just this like really this 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 kind of course where we can like collaborate better with the and collaborate better and share um running code and economic security 
with the broader Ethereum community at the same time as like continue to see great growth in a lot of the projects that are building on Celo, um, both on the kind of user-centric side, um, you know, wallets and tools for emerging markets, but also um, uh, also like the, the carbon, um, the emerging kind of carbon markets uh, tools on Celo uh, and all of the kind of 40 or 50 members of the Climate Collective there. Um, deploying on deploying on Celo and growing on Celo, and so that's I think what what makes me um, pretty excited for like the future of the platform. And who do you need help from? Like, there's such a vibrant ecosystem around. Like, who out there listening uh, that resonates with you? Like, how can people get involved? How can people contribute either on the developer side or otherwise? It seems like you have such a big technical challenge ahead. Just curious if there's a, a call out or a call to action for anybody listening. Mm. So um, developers, contributors in the Ethereum ecosystem, everything we do is open source. We uh, want to collaborate and make Celo the best L2 on Ethereum we can with like the most decentralized sequencer set and the lowest fees. We want to do that as part of like um, the kind of emerging standards of the, of the, of the kind of stack, L2 stacks. Um, so yeah, just reach out and uh, always happy to always happy to like figure out how to kind of collaborate there. Um, we also care about making Celo like the ecosystem with the best developer tool, um, array of developer tools. Um, sometimes that means building things specifically for Celo, but often it means like um, making sure there's support from like existing great tools in Web3 on Celo. And so, yeah, if you're a tool provider and you're interested in supporting Celo, uh, you know, go ahead and please go ahead and do that. You don't need anyone's permission, of course, but like, um, we're here and we're happy to happy to provide an assist. Um, I think in terms of like the carbon markets, I think there's there's definitely uh, there's definitely an opportunity here. So I think that if you're involved in MRB or if your organization involved mm. in like um, uh, certifying or producing or reporting of uh, of credits, like reach out to the climate collective if you don't totally. already in that ecosystem there's so much so much activity happening there i think it's really interesting also on the demand side if you're a um you know if you're an organization that helps enterprises or individuals with um like managing their own carbon footprint if you're an institution that provides or packages up offsets um there's a ton of valuable uh growing like high quality carbon offsets on chain on Celo and others um, that can uh, that I think the Climate Collective would love to chat with you about. So yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a big community and there's tons of touch points. I think. And I think the best thing about it is just the people. Like the Celo people are awesome. Like you've been great. Sochi's has been amazing. Renee, Sep, Merrick, like everybody that I meet in Celo is just so forward leaning, so open, and truly believes in this mission of you know a blockchain that can unlock prosperity for all using the power of mobile technology, conscious communities on the ground doing the actual work of regeneration and getting paid for it. So it's been an honor, Tim. Thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed diving deep into the intricacies and seeing this roadmap for Celo in the years to come. Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to touch on or uh, anything else that you want to say before we sign off? I mean, I, th I think we covered so much. I think this was, this was awesome. Amazing. Yeah, awesome, John, I, I want to say thank you and... Yeah, you, you clearly have a deep understanding of um, 
Salo in the refi space. So I think it's, it's been great to chat with you. Looking forward to Mate, you next time. It's an honor, definitely. Uh, go forth and enjoy your day in the Bay and we'll see you next time. Yeah, cheers. Bye. <laughs> bye, bye, Tim. <laughs>